Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. And we're off with a full weekend of Ligue 1 action over this weekend. We'll have to wait until match day three this year for cancelled matches. Um, but apart from that, not much has changed much this over this weekend. PSG are top of the league already with a comfortable victory. Marseille were leave, left the pitch with booze in their own stadium. And uh, Lyon got a win with goals from Moussa Dembele once again. We'll talk about all of those matches and more during the next hour to come. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham, and with me today is Mohamed Ali. Mohamed, hi, how are you? Hi, nice, nice to be here again. Good to hear. And Rich Allen is with us as well. How's it going, Rich? Uh, it's going really well. Yeah, thank you. Very well. Well, gentlemen, I think we'll get started right away. And we'll begin with last night's, uh, last evening's match between Paris Saint-Germain and Nîmes. Unsurprisingly, PSG got a win, 3-0, with goals from Cavani, Mbappé and Di Maria. Um, we have lots of talk about, about this match and also about things that happened outside of the match with Neymar, as the listeners will probably have heard. Uh, but let's start by discussing the match. It all began truly with this penalty call in the 24th minute. Rich, can you talk us through what happened? And do you agree with the end result of that penalty decision? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it, in this day and age? So corner comes in, um, Mbappe ducks down, and the defender's arm is sort of out in front of him. Um, and as Mbappe ducks out of the way of this corner, it, it hits his hand. So... Pre-VAR, you'd be saying that's not handball, that's not a penalty, mm-hmm. and play on. And, and certainly no one in the in the ground um, appealed for it at all. No PSG players seemed to appeal at all. Play carried on. And I reckon it was a minute and a half getting on to two minutes before that VAR call was was buzzed through to, to the referee, uh, which is just too long. It really yeah. is too long. You know, we've seen VAR work in... In fits and starts, it had a reasonably good outing in the Premier League in its 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 first week, um, but still, there's these issues that exist, and this this is becoming the most contentious point I think so far of VAR is these handballs in the penalty area because the minute it goes to VAR and the referee goes to look at it, and it's the ball hitting the hand, and that hand isn't firmly by your side, and you're pretty much facing the ball square on. It's going to be given as a penalty, regardless of what your arm was doing, regardless of of positioning, regardless of how far away you were from the ball when when you know, when you were deemed to have been seeing it. None of that seems to matter anymore. It's and would you say case, would you say that decision kind of took the wind out from under Neem's wings, or was it just an inevitable uh, well, event? I, I, I mean, the PSG goal was going to come. You really couldn't have seen this to stay nil nil. You know, Neem didn't look too bad. They weren't certainly weren't threatening, but they looked relatively organised. You know, PSG were knocking at the door, but it, it took twenty five minutes for this to happen. So they, I think, Neem probably felt a little bit cheated, as everyone does with these VAR decisions. But also mm-hmm. the fact there was that extended period of time between the incident and the 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 VAR. Um, review coming through to the referee, so it's it's not it's not great. 
Um, and you're right, yeah, I think it probably did not necessarily... I mean, they, they didn't capitulate immediately, which I think is probably credit to Neem. You know, it took PSG until the second mm-hmm. half for, for them to really make it secure. But, you know, you can't argue that PSG didn't deserve the win overall. Yeah, and I agree that the kind of the most distressing part is the two-minute... It's not a wait because the play continued. Play continued for two minutes before being called back to that handball. And the handball rule itself, to some way, in some way, it's so absurd now that it it remains absolute. And in one way, it's fair because you know there's no interpretation. Every handball is going to get called, but it also does favor teams like PSG, who the ball is so rarely in PSG's box that if the, there can't be a handball if it's not in PSG's box. So obviously, if there's going to be a handball in a box somewhere, it's going to be Nimes at some point in the match, given how often you know PSG are attacking. And that's a little bit what might be unfair. Um, poor Pablo Martinez, you know, with that handball. Um, later in the second half, so Cavani scored the, the penalty we should mention. Later in the second half, Mbappe scored a second. Mo, um, one of the magic things about Mbappe's goal is Marquinhos's pass. And he's really excelling in that number six position, isn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, he's he's continuing where he left off in preseason, um, playing in defensive midfield role, because not only is he doing an, a more than adequate job in shielding his back line and intercepting, but he's providing a lot of great passes uh, going forward, and that's only that can only benefit PSG because obviously what they need to uh, go ahead with this season is the quick turnaround, and what they rely on is a quick turnaround of possession from the back. Mm-hmm. going forward so t- obviously Marco Verratti's uh, proficiency in that regard is obviously well noted uh, but to have Marquinhos settling in and you know being as as apt at going forward as he is um, in, in defending it can really only be a positive thing and he showed it again uh, last night and fortunately the pass um, was met by a, a more than adequate finish from Mbappe as, as, as usual it was a really really good finish I think I think Mo raises a good point there about Verratti. What I what I saw last night and what I've seen with with Marquinhos playing in that that number six role um, last season, where and and season a couple of seasons before, where PSG have struggled with their finding their you know that that key defensive midfield position that has clearly affected Verratti's play. I don't think Verratti has been anywhere near as effective. Um, in the last two, two maybe even three seasons, what I saw last night was the variety that we saw, haven't really seen on a regular basis anyway since, since three or four seasons ago. Where, you know, he's mm-hmm. getting that ball, he's being that sort of terrier-like, nipping at the heels of everybody, but he's getting the ball and then he's driving forward with it. I think with, without that defensive midfield position and and it being a secure position with a player who can play in that position, Verratti's game gets hampered. So by by Marquinhos excelling, and then obviously at some point Idrissa Gay is going to come in and, and have that role as well. It's not only giving you a better player in those positions, but you're also gaining with Verratti being able to be slightly more off, off if I can see the terrier thing, off the leash a little bit to get the best out of him. Because I, it's I, have, very, yeah. I have felt that he's he's been stifled recently. It's very telling that the third goal, Di Maria's goal, came from a Verratti you know, with one of his kind of crazy slide tackles, getting the ball back very high up the pitch, almost a level of, with, with Nîmes' box. You know, he it was the kind of standard variety, almost one and a half footed challenge with his legs uh, spread apart. And he got up right away, played it to Mbappe, who then 
very quickly played it to Di Maria. Um, that gives one goal and one assist to Mbappe, who's really kind of, I'd say, growing as into the leader of this team going forward, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. I think that it's it's as clear, and we'll come on to another reason why. But it's as clear yes. as day now that P that, that PSG see Mbappe as the man. You know, he is the the sort of figurehead of the team. He is, you know, the poster boy for the team. That if there's any question of doubt about that, I thought the case last season. Uh, you know, as we saw them through their 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 tour out to China, Mbappe was the face. Um, and of and course, what's, the, uh... what's, what's encouraging is he is thriving in that. You know, his play is improving. He's getting more involved. He's scoring goals. He's creating goals. Um, his his whole play is improving and seems to be really enjoying having that responsibility, which is, of course, what he mentioned at the um, at the the UNFP awards um, himself when he had that acceptance speech. So Very it's true. it's all looking good for for that link up. And of course, the other reason that you mentioned the you mentioned there was another reason, and that is that Neymar is almost certainly going to be leaving PSG by the end of the summer. We learned over the weekend that uh, Real Madrid had accelerated their chase for him, uh, and although the, de the details are still a little bit um, unclear, we don't know if it's just going to be an offer of something like 200 million euros, if there's going to be players involved in a swap already. Uh, but that has also sparked a reaction from Barcelona, so there's got really going to be a race between them to to sign Mbappe, uh, Neymar, rather, sorry. And Mo, um, the you were in Paris. Maybe people were talking about this, but also you must have seen, as we did, that the Parc des Princes was very unhappy with their star. Yeah, um, and like I said last night, um, it was absolutely right uh, for them to feel that um, you know Neymar has really not delivered that much um, uh, than what was expected in the last two years, and you know what, good good riddance. Um, the fact that he has taken liberties, the fact that he has probably taken advantage of his of his club and teammates, and for such an incredible outlay that that uh, they made for him, two hundred twenty two million, to, you know, having the prestige of being the world's most expensive player, to get out of the shadow and everything they promised, you know, things haven't haven't exactly worked out. And obviously, I think it's been helped by Mbappe's dominance, uh, as Rich said a little bit earlier. Um, so in that case, you know, I think they should very well. You know, take you know, take cut their losses, send him back to Barcelona or wherever he wants to go. Because, I mean, we're not going to be stupid and say um, that uh, Neymar does not improve PSG. Of course, he does. He's a fantastic player. Mm. But the one thing that he they can definitely be without him is a more balanced team. And with an extra, however much it will be, two hundred mil million or or a hundred million plus a couple of Barcelona's players. Wherever they be, they have the goal of building a team around Kylian Mbappe, around a homegrown lad, a homegrown lad, around a player that won't be driven by the same sort of selfishness or self-centered sort of worldview that uh, that Neymar does. Because at the end of the day, he was bought for specific reasons. Not only would it help his um, you know Ballon d'Or individual individual ambitions. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he was there for for the Champions League, for for you know to go to go ahead to the next level to really accelerate PSG into a super club, and that really hasn't happened. There's not only not only is there disappointment on that side, but it's sort of the arrogance 
the the disdain that he treats uh, um, um, you know Paris, for example, like not coming back um, after the yeah. summer break. Um, you know, uh, and then and then obviously injuries are not his fault, but um, you know the fact that he hasn't been around for the last two two three months of the seasons and both years that he's been in Paris is just you know, I mean PSG have to really put their foot down um, because if they if they want to be seen as a serious club, they have to remember they are a historic club. They've had egos and big players and world class players come through the Parc de France long before Neymar was around. That's what people seem to forget that. In the 90s, PSG were a legendary club um, with with absolutely fantastic players who were fighting for the championship and in the European Cups as well. Uh, you know, this, this is not something new. Um, and Leonardo had mentioned when he first joined PSG about eight years ago, uh, at the beginning of this project, it wasn't sort of about quick fixes, throwing money left, right and centre, basically saying that now the Qataris had come, it wasn't going to be like a Chelsea or a Man City. Uh, and that PSG wanted to grow organically, as you saw with this really calculated signings that they made in their first two windows. But then when he left, and somewhere along the way, they lost their way in thinking they could make a big jump um, in going for the Neymars, in going for, you know, there was a time that Cristiano Ronaldo was, was touted as well. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the really sexy managers and, and whatever, <laughs> around about 2015, 16, uh, at, you know, around the time Leonardo had left. And that's the issue they fell in today. And there's no coincidence that their Champions League ambition and the European ambition stuttered and failed since then. Because when Leonardo and Laurent Blanc were there um, in the first couple of years, they were, they were fantastic. They were not only dominant at home, but in the Champions League, very unlucky. And they didn't have sort of the big hit misses, the egoism, um, you know, the Brazilian clique and all these dressing room issues. They not only signed decent league and players, who knew the league, but that was complemented by world-class players with good mentality that would be able to give Paris Saint-Germain the next step, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No, you know, he he improved the atmosphere of the dressing room by bringing in his professionalism. He, I don't know if you remember, he he was remarking about the fact that there was a certain laziness. Um, yes, French players and, and Zlatan, you know, he was very involved with decisions even off the pitch. I remember he was kind of they consulted him for the redesign of the. Of the dressing room exactly. and, and for other things. Exactly, and you, I think, you know, yeah, it's you know, it's on the whole, it's a better move for PSG to you know separate themselves from Neymar at this moment in time. I mean, with, with that, with that one fifty million plus a player that they can bring in, you know, they've got a fantastic front line already, um, and Di Maria and Cavani have done more at Paris and deserve more respect than Neymar ever will. Mm. Um, and especially Cavani with his, you know, amazing goal record, um, and you remember, you know, again, it's just they 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 were giving too much to a player who wasn't giving anything in return. I mean, yes, goals, you know, fantastic goal record. Again, Neymar had, you know, he's a fantastic player. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that. Um, but you know, six, three or four fancy goals against Dijon and Gangon for 200 million is just not enough. Yeah. We'll have a chance to kind of have a retrospective on Neymar, I guess, once once it is confirmed that he's leaving, once we do know his final destination. And, and maybe we'll try to include also some of the better moments, because it is true that, you know, his skill did blow us away from time to time when he was on the pitch for PSG. We'll have a chance to talk more about that. Um, 
Gents, let's cast our minds back to Friday and the opening match of this Ligue 1 season. Olympique Lyonnais won in Monaco. They won 3-0. Rich, is this more, you know, it's almost more surprising that Lyon have won so seriously in the beginning of the season than to see Monaco lose like this at home, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, both of them had, shall we say, far from ideal pre-seasons. Um, you know, both didn't necessarily get the, the confidence-boosting wins um, they perhaps would have liked. Um, Leon did, it, of course, at least beat, uh, at least beat Arsenal. Mm. Um, so this this was going to be an interesting match. You obviously had Monaco. Were they able to put last season's disappointment behind them? You had Leon, obviously, without three key players, with a new manager, with a new sporting director, and Monaco starting two eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, so it was it was always going to be a very interesting game. Um, I think what we saw was probably more of a a damnation of Monaco rather than success of Leon. Um, I think Leon, Leon, I think, just did enough to win. I, there was nothing there that made me think, "Wow!" I think they were, they were. For me, it very much felt like they were handed that win because Monaco were worryingly poor for the first game of the season. I thought they they lacked ambition. They had they oh they started well. I thought I thought the first ten fifteen minutes they looked all right, but they very quickly went a goal behind. And then it all sort of unraveled from there. There was a, I think, a pretty harsh red card on, on Fabregas for, you know, as he's sort of tracking back, um, his as he steps forward, his foot goes down the back of of Leo Dubois, um, sort of Achilles and, and heel. Now yeah, again, we, we go we go back to a VAR argument. You put it into VAR, you put it in slow motion, it looks ten times worse. But I think you look at that. Um, I don't think Fabregas is 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 doing it on purpose. You know, every player yeah. will leave, every player will leave their foot in a little bit. Every player will. But I didn't see anything there that was indicating to me that he he did it on purpose. It was a natural movement with his foot. He was taking a step, and it's it's just an unfortunate thing. He's he wasn't looking down. He wasn't looking where his foot was going. His eyes weren't there. I don't see that as being an intentional. Yeah. So, so, it, it to, so, so to, see, to see it shown, given then as a red card after the VAR review, obviously that 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 killed much of the contest off. But but even then, I just didn't see much from from Monaco. I think Leonardo Jardim after the game said there's still work to do in the in the transfer market because we'll, there's we'll there was a real that, lack of, la- real lack of creativity, lack of threat going forward. They're still looking disorganised at the back. Um, you know, I really don't think Glick and Glick and Gem. I mean, they played Jemison in a, a sort of midfield role. I don't think either of those players are, are, are worth it anymore. I just think <laughs> they seem to be the cause of the vast majority of the confusion at the back. You know, we saw with 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 Marseille and 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 the introduction and, and sort of persistence with with Boubacar Kamara. Just let the youngsters play. You know, Fat, uh, uh, Camel Glick and Jemison for me are, are past it now, and they need to move on from those. You know, they've got Jonathan Panzo, they've got Benoit Badiashile. Just, just play them. You know, you're not got. It's not going to be any worse. And if anything, you're going to build the confidence in those players, build the experience in those players, and you're going to get 
you know, better players from it. Um, yes. Because because Jonathan Panzo, I think, didn't deserve to look as confused as he did at times by playing alongside Camel Glick, who was, you know, you look at that first goal, it was it was Glick and Jemison that that completely lost Dembele for the for the headed opener. So there's still so much work for Monaco to do, and and we've got time now, quickly running out in the transfer window. Um, it's it's still not a done thing that they're not going to be facing the same issues as last season. We should mention maybe for our listeners, I think they might be interested that Panzo, who is one of the 18-year-olds who started back at centre back, is English. So it's interesting to see you know a young English player again. Um, this time in Ligue 1, it's quite rare. Mo, um, Rich wasn't too complimentary of, of, of Lyon, blaming it mainly on Monaco, which I, I understand the sentiment. But but don't you think as well that there's something to be said about Moussa Dembele, who you know he starts the season very much like he ended it. Um, he with a goal and an assist in that match. Also good to see Memphis scoring again from a, one of his trademark long-range shots. It looks like Lyon might be developing, you know, offensively, might be becoming seriously, or is it really too early to be making full conclusions? Um, probably a bit too early. I mean, I think I can agree with what you said in that it was at the end a commendable performance from Lyon. Mm. Um, but also, I absolutely agree with Richard. It was Monaco's more Monaco's issues that led to sort of disparity of the results of you know Lyon looking perhaps the result being flattering them a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, you know Lyon have come to what used to be a direct rival, um, won convincingly and reached the top of the table, and that's all you could ask for. So it was a perfect entry for 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 that eleven um, for. For Denai as captain, for for Sabrina in his first the competitive game, mm-hmm. um, you know they ticked all the boxes, and not only did uh, a couple of their key players hit the ground running. Uh, you mentioned Dembele scoring within the first five minutes, um, Depay looking to hit the hit the ground running as well, and scoring from a set piece, which was a couple of issues um, that plagued them last season. So really, it was a successful Friday night for them. Um, but I think and, it's. Uh, I think I think like I would agree, it's a bit too early to draw uh, conclusions about how the season will go. I think that will become apparent in the first two, three, two, three, four games because um, you know what 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 was Leon's main issue last season was that against the big clubs they would perform admirably, and then against the the Nimes and the the uh, you know the lower half of the table they would. Uh, you know, go kaput next next game. So we'll see. That is how, very how that true. Um, it was interesting to see that Jason Denayer was uh, named captain because that was one of the kind of mysteries going into the season was who would be holding the armband. Um, also interesting to see that Lucas Tuzar uh, was given a start. It was a little bit. He was a little bit in doubt um, because Thiago Mendes was was seen as being possibly the new holding midfielder, but. They've decided to go with, uh, you know, someone they know better, someone who knows the rest, the rest of the team better, who maybe has better defensive qualities than Thiago Mendes. And he even got a goal. What did you think of him, Rich? Yeah, I did want to mention Tussar. I thought he he had a terrific game. Um, you know, he, he was, as you say, his, his position in that team was in doubt. He obviously lost his um, sort of starting position a number of times last season. There was question marks, and certainly Janino himself 
raised those question marks over over Toussaint's future. And he was linked with moves away to Premier League clubs. Um, I think Everton were one linked with him. Um, but, on, uh, you know, undoubtedly, he, he is a good player. Um, he needs to be back in that team. He needs to be playing regularly. It was great to see him play that. It was great to see him getting forward a bit as well. Um, maybe when he was playing with the likes of Ndombele and Awar in a sort of midfield three, he was a little bit reluctant or maybe just unable to 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 show that side of his game. So obviously with those, well, with Awar playing a slightly different role and Ndombele gone and playing alongside Thiago Mendes, that maybe we'll, we'll see that a little bit more. And it was a great finish, uh, a really good finish, because it wasn't mm. a particularly great pass from Thiago Mendes to Toussaint, but it was a really, you know, a really good snap first time finish so yeah, I, I would love to see more from that aspect of him I, he's a player I've liked for you know a few seasons now he's sort of the forgotten man in that Leon midfield there's so many sort of big names and big egos should we say as well <laughs> in that sort of midfield and going forward that Tussar is that forgotten man and, and part of me wondered well actually you know what he, he's got the qualities Part of me wondered whether he would be, you know, a, a potential candidate for that captaincy. He's obviously under twenty-one captain um, at international levels, but it's great to see him play. I'm hopeful that that perhaps certainly for for this window puts to bed rumours of his of his departure and any question marks over his position in that team, because I think really he was, for me anyway, he was man of the match in that game. I thought it was a really good performance. Before we move on. Um... There was an exciting transfer uh, story over the weekend concerning Monaco last night. Uh, Mo, it looks like Wissam Ben Yedder might be moving to Monaco from Sevilla. Uh, we're, they're talking about a 40 million euro deal, with uh, uh, including a swap for Ronnie, Ronnie Lopez, who is one of their best players. But it remains a very exciting prospect to see, you know, a French international who's very much in contention for the Euro coming back to Ligue 1. Yeah, and God knows that they need him as well, um, mm. because he's you know he's he's a fantastic striker and he's proven himself as a very reliable goal scorer. Um, he's looked he's looked good um, at Sevilla. Um, I don't exactly know why uh, they're letting him go. It's a bit foggy. I'm a bit foggy on that. Um, but for forty million, I think that's that's an appropriate value and. For a player that has a very good record uh, in Ligue 1 and Monaco, you know, with Falcao having such a question mark on on his name, um, and you know, I mean, they were forced to start an 18-year-old um, up front on Friday, um, and Bouchard didn't look too good afterwards coming on either. So to have that option up front for for when Falcao, when if he does stay, he won't be um, you know, nowhere near his best. I think it can it can it can only be beneficial. So, I think it's appropriate value. I think I'm surprised that they were able to welcome Ben Yedder back with no promise of of uh, European football this season, and the fact mm. that Monaco have such a rebuilding job in his hands. But that's a success for the for the backroom staff. Um, that's a success for for Chardin as well. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a good move for for all parties. All right, and let's move on to Saturday afternoon's match in Marseille, first game of the season at the Velodrome. Uh, they welcomed Reims, and Mo, Reims have done it again, just like back in January in Reims. They won, uh, um, this time it was 2 0. 
I mean, where where would you like to start on this one? It's it's it's, it's very worrying for Marseille to get off to this start in front of their own yeah, crowd, isn't no, there? It's, it's, it's worrying. I mean, think, cast your mind back to last Monday when I said that um, the, the turn of the season will be set in the first three games. Mm. Um, because not only do they play, do, do they play Ram, uh, but Saint, uh, Nice and Nantes and Saint Etienne and Rennes would follow. Um, so in those first three games, having a target of seven points would be key. And in the, in the first home game, um, things went really, really poorly uh, because uh, it wasn't a shock defeat uh, on Saturday. Uh, the visitors were by far the better team, mm. by far the most organised, aggressive uh, and had had control of the match. It wasn't some you know two sucker punches that came and shocked everybody. It wasn't anything like that. And I think that's the... That's the most worrying aspect of it all, um, because that is the trend, maybe, of of the job that Andre Villas-Boas has uh, at it, you know, on his hands. We mentioned um, Lyon um, and uh, obviously Paris uh, doing well, but also there are a couple of other teams which we'll speak about later, like Saint Etienne and Lille, who who came through their tests relatively well. Um, mm. And I think it's just apparent that you know there are we should hold no prisoners that. You know, Marseille are no longer um, a top four team, um, and I think we're approaching the point that um, Saint Etienne um, possibly, um, depending on how how well they sort of gel, um, will will be seen as more of a favourite for to finish above, basically to finish in the top four. Um, because even though Marseille have arguably on paper, and I mean this very, very loosely, possibly mm. the third uh, best team. And if you count, if experience counts for anything, maybe you'd go for second. But at the very least, the third best team. But it doesn't show at all whatsoever. Um, you know, um, on, on Saturday, most of the key plays started. Tovan was the only the only injury, and once again there was no fluidity going up front. There was lack of cohesion. Jaman is just not a striker <laughs> that you can rely on, and I don't understand. Well, he can a lone striker rather. A lone, if he's the course, second striker, striker, it works. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But Marseille did not play four four two or in a function that that um, that benefits him. Um, if if Balotelli had remained or. Or Gomis um, had remained from two years ago. They played four four two with Jermaine just playing off the striker and creating those little runs um, and attracting defenders away from the main striker. It might have worked, but I don't know how Marseille can continue. And what what um, we can talk about the game honestly till the till the uh, till midnight <laughs> or something. But um, I just uh, you know, and Andre Villas-Boas was asked about this on Saturday, and what what worried me about this was. His sort of resignation, almost the fact that when he was asked about how, how will you? You've got 18 days to race it, rectify this. How will you go about it? And he just shrugged and said, "Well, there's no money. What do you, what do you want me to do? You know, um, yeah. there's 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 no money. Uh, I've got to work with what I've got to work with. I signed to this job. Um, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. And two away games now coming up. Um, and if it's true, and it's my belief that Marseille." At best, we'll be fighting for Europa League place this season, and I wish, I wish um, I'm proved wrong. Um, mm. I, you know, I'd be the first person that'd be happy at that. Um, but if it's true that you're playing against direct competition in three of the next four games, 
three of which will be away from home. Um, like I said, it's it's Nice, Nantes, um, Saint Etienne, and then Rennes, um, who are, as it stands, direct competition. So after yeah. that poor re-entry on Saturday, there is really already no room for error. And um, I mean, as you mentioned, I think the first few games are key because even if things were to pick up later, you know, the first few games going wrong means that Marseille could be playing against their own crowd for months to come, you know? I mean, it's already started. Uh, uh, it's really yeah. started because there was, nothing, there was nothing that happened this summer um, to sort of G up the crowd and, you know, put everybody in, a, in, a, in an excited mood uh, for, for the new season. And then you end the first season at home being booed off not only at half time and earlier full time but also half time as well which sort of just sets the tone i mean we are we're living in in dangerous position and i think everybody realizes that you know a strong marseille is, is key for for liga um but you know what 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 people and i think what people revel in is the fact that this is all entirely self-inflicted it's entirely self-inflicted you know it's not only picking the right players but it's picking the right players with a good mentality, a good belief, a good mindset and good coaching as well. And a lot of money has been wasted in the wrong way. And in the end, you end up with a very disjointed, imbalanced 11. Um, and, you know, there are other players uh, who have, as we'll talk about surely in a few seconds, um, who've absolutely hit the ground running, having trained for less than a week in their new clubs. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, I hope Dario Benedetta, the new signing from from uh, Boca Juniors, um, who I'm really excited to see and should be operational for next week's game. I hope that with his introduction, and finally we can boot German and Sanson and um, especially Jordan Amavi off the team. Um, you know, things, things will start looking up. I, I still have faith in AVB. It's, it's not an easy job because <laughs> I really do agree uh, when he says, you know, I've got, I've got to work with what I've got to work with, and he's not got a lot to work with at all. Um, yeah. So, so fingers crossed for him. I, you know, I'm nowhere near AVB out. I think he's got some encouraging ideas. It's just really rallying the troops and you know setting this whole thing straight. I think that one of the things that I've I've noticed for for some time with this Marseille team is that, as Mo said, on paper. It's it's a good squad, you know. There's there's mm-hmm. there's a blend of younger players. There's a blend of experienced players. So on paper, it's great. That's exactly what you want, what you want your squad to look like. However, in practice, those young players seem a little bit too daunted at times, and those experienced players have been below par and a, a long way below par for a long time now. I was right to mention Balazsman, Dimitri Payet. I, I genuinely can't remember. The last time he had not even a great performance, just a good performance. It's it's felt so long now. You know, Gustavo has been Gustavo has I think struggled uh, like I've not seen him struggle before in, in league. Uh, Strutman seems to still be from an outsider looking in and a bit of an expensive mistake. Morgan Sanson. Is is such a, such a good player when he's on his game, but he's still wildly um, inconsistent. Radonjic again, we saw preseason what he, he what he can do, but we've yet to see that in in league form. So there's just I think there's a, there's question marks over a the quality of the youngsters coming through, and b 
where's the desire from those senior players to put in the effort, put in the performances? And of course, when you've got those two, you've got that volatile, shall we say, Marseille mm. crowd who can basically make or break either the home or away team, yeah. dependent on their mood. You know, it's it's a vicious circle, isn't it? You know, the team Absolutely. play badly, the fans get on their back, so the team can't, you know, don't perform. And it's just getting out. We saw, you know, in, the, in their Europa League run two seasons ago, just what an impact a an onside, fierce, pro-home, anti-away crowd that velodrome can produce. You know, that those Absolutely. those Europa League nights just, were fantastic. I think also... Point, just on that point, Rich, uh, sorry to sorry to butt in. Uh, no, yeah, go ahead, um, please. So, I mean, I, I fully agree. Um, I'm just going to give you an anecdote from last season. Um, you know, obviously, the pro-OM uh, fierce, you know, velodrome crowd has the potential to make or break games and once once your once things are going wrong it's the fans that are going to be in your back and you cast your mind back to sort of the winter where Rudy Garcia had lost uh, several games in a row and the first game that OM did win against Bordeaux 1-0 came in an empty velodrome which sort of wiped it wiped this uh, slate clean where there were no fans no pressure and he ended <laughs> up winning and then hopefully set sort of this uh, tee up. And if that game, you know, the fans had been allowed in, I don't know what would have gone wrong. So, yeah, it's 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 something that happens. And I just, it's, I think the OM fans, they're not sort of, you know, prima donna, sort of selfish and, oh, we want to win. We, you know, we don't care. We just don't want to win at all costs. No, it's about performing. And mm. the lack of desire is something that they, you know, will not accept. Absolutely. I've just received a notification too that um, Adil Rami has officially been notified that his contract is terminated. So oh, that fantastic. puts an end to that story as well. Um, but the news never stops with Marseille, doesn't it? A word also um, on Stade de Reims, um, because you said, Mo, that it was all self, that everything is self inflicted in Marseille. But we have to say that Reims, I mean, I find it, um, I find it pretty surprising that they still managed to trick so many teams into kind of falling for their plan. Basically, what they did on, on Saturday and what they do so very often, or at least on all the good days, was they're a very comfortable team playing out from the back and, and, and drawing the opposition towards their own uh, towards their own box, even though you know they're, they're not a possession team at all, but they are very comfortable, as I said, you know, technically with that kind of stuff. And that gives them the opportunity to mainly through through the wings, all of a sudden throw themselves forwards. And how many times are they able to find Rémi Houdin or, as was the case on Saturday mainly, Moussa Dumbia, you know, out on the wings, almost all alone. And and Moussa Dumbia caused so much trouble to, to the Marseille defence, didn't he? I, um, I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed his performance. Um, oh yeah, and uh, it, it was you know I don't I don't think it was anything surprising the way that uh, Guillaume had had set up his team. They were just functional. They were they were aggressive. They pressed. They harassed OM. They wouldn't let them have a sort of a rhythm um, to set up passing rhythm that is quite often the case at home. Um, and really, I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if if, if the team came away thinking that. That was an easy win. That was uh, that was not the OM that we expected. That wasn't mm. sort of nothing to be scared of. I think Bulaidia, especially, yeah, phenomenal, me, um, was absolutely phenomenal. And I think the way that they go on, and if they do replicate those, you know, the 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 season they had last season, which obviously I think they've started fantastically well, 
a couple of those players would you I wouldn't be surprised in being linked with with, with the bigger clubs maybe in England or wherever because they were they were fantastic it's very possible I think the concern will be squad depth because you know apart from the players that were on the pitch there and then maybe two or three that weren't you know if, if they start losing players it's going to become very difficult for them they, they don't have enough on the bench um you know to, to find replacements i think um let's go on to the next match um and let's talk about lille nantes which happened on sunday lille who were second last season when earning their first match their first win this year um and we can only start by talking about one man rich would you like to introduce victor osimhen to the listeners that haven't heard of him yet well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those that prior to, to to Lille signing him, he he was a new player to me, but you know, you hear of of people who'd watched him, and there was there was a lot of talk about, you know, he was an exciting player, and you're not going to get much of a better debut than than he put than he put in um, yesterday. You know, he he bagged two goals, and I must say, two really good finishes. Uh, one was a, a sort of long ball where he took it down on his chest, ran in on goal and a cool finish. And the other was creating a bit of space in the box, tight angle and still managed to lash a shot in at the near post. So two really good finishes. Um, I jokingly said at the time, you know, Lille fans will be saying Pepe who. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was, you know, this, this, I hate to use the word again, but this was another interesting game because, of course, you know, Lille had, had so far outperformed themselves last season and of course the problem with that was that then they were you know they were gutted of players and certainly key players over the summer um but with 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 louis campos at the 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 sort of transfer helm they've recruited wisely and and sensibly again and there was three or four um in fact i think there was five debutants in the starting 11 maybe four or five um uh, obviously, Ossimhen was that was the guy that yeah, stood right. out. Um, you know, there was there was Benjamin Andre, Timothy Weyer, Not a particularly great game, a bit quiet, but it's going to take time. He's a young player, hasn't played a great deal of of first team football by you know by the reckoning so far. He he will come good, I think. Um, Ikone and Bamba, you know, they they sort of picked off picked up where they where they left off last season. I thought both of them looked look pretty dangerous. They're going to have to get used to not playing with Pepe as well. Um, but for, from a Lille, from a Lille point of view, you know, it was, it was a great performance. They reacted well. Obviously they went ahead, uh, conceded just after the break. Um, it showed a lot about Lille and, and what Gautier is, is, is done for this team that they didn't let that obviously, you know, expectations on them now. Um, they didn't let, you know, going, going, uh, sorry, conceding that equaliser in the second half. They didn't let their heads drop. They recovered and they ended up getting the winning goal. It, it was a good performance. Gautier came out afterwards and said, "Oh, you know, I'm not, still not entirely happy. There's, there's, there's room for improvement." And that's great. That's the kind of message you want. Gautier is a terrific coach, perfect coach for this Lille team with, with, with a good blend of experience and youth. Um, so it, it, it was it was a good performance from Lille. I think it's uh, everything that we would have probably have expected from them. I suppose, uh, unlike Marseille, Lille were, you know, lucky enough to start against an, an, an opponent who are also in a state of of, of disorder at the moment. Um, Mo, this was the first match for for Christian Gourcuff, Gourcuff as the Nantes manager. He 
uh, kind of accelerated his arrival to be on the bench uh, on the day he was supposed to kind of stand aside and let the caretaker take care of this one, but he was there himself. It feels like a very odd match to see a man like Christian Gorkov um, working with, you know, Valdemar Kita, the, the non-president, and he's going to have a lot of work. He said so himself. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for them, Sunday's game was um, almost a bit of a write-off. Considering uh, mm. that the coach had not sort of fully taken his position on, um, which is it's always a strange situation to be in. But that's self-inflicted. That's something they've done themselves, um, having having let uh, Halle Hotsic, uh leave. Um, mm. But considering the circumstances, I don't think Nantes did too badly. I just think that there was little end product and that. Um, I mean, while they troubled uh, sort of on occasions, I don't think it was um, a particularly satisfying performance. And obviously the fact that they lost Marcus Coco um, mm-hmm. very, very early on, uh, which disrupted the balance of the team. Um, you know, there's some signing who who might be out now for 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 quite for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's the you know they were just at the end, you know, the victims of, of a lot of bad luck, but um, they were they were tenacious. It was just it's one of those games where the sort of the opponent does sort of push, but is unable to sort of break down the door. And and the, in 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 their regard, were were fortunate to to continue persevering and to have a striker who. Who announced himself to to the rest of France, um, and that will bring a lot of confidence, and also will bring a lot of confidence to his teammates, knowing that this guy is able to finish finish chances, and able to you know um, convert um, and be productive up front. Because, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I literally just read actually today that he he, he trained five days um, before for the first time, so yeah. last Monday uh, because of the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, and this scores 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 a debut. I think there were already question marks because of the signing of of Yazici, of um, of where Osimhen would come in, um, of whether he would be able to replicate the form that he did in Belgium. Um, and he was fortunate too that Loic Remy was suspended for this weekend. Yeah, Otherwise, absolutely. you know, he might he might not have started. Um, so, shall we yeah. move on to the following Sunday match? Uh, Strasbourg Mets at Derby. It, it was an exciting fixture because of the teams because of the derby and so on but i guess it was a little bit underwhelming rich uh you know strasbourg are kind of tiring aren't they it's, it's a very busy august for them yeah i mean they 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 look like a team that have already got a good amount of minutes under their belt before the opening opening yeah. uh, league game had even kicked off exactly um i think yeah i mean i was expecting a little bit more um you know it's it's not necessarily the fiercest of derbies but we don't get too many relatively regional derbies in in, in France but this you know this is one um you know Mets do have slightly bigger rivals but I was mm-hmm. expecting a little bit more I think you know Mets can certainly come away from that feeling more positive um I think they gave a fairly decent account of themselves first half I you know, it it was it was a bit messy. It was a bit, you know, clearly a team that have that had played midweek against a team that were new to the league. Uh, that was, I think, pretty apparent. Not too much threat from either side. Um, Thomason got the opening goal. Mets were just sort of broken apart at the back a little bit too easy. Um, 
Leonard finding finding Thomason for an, for a neat finish, but there there was nothing there was nothing great deal. But Mets recovered. Um, you know, I think what we have seen with Mets every time they've been in league and is they're such a fragile team. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot for their spirit to be broken, and then they just go into free form. Well, it's good you to know? see them, you know, keeping some of their players from last season, and it, it it was good to see, you know, one of the players that we pointed out last week performing. In uh, Habib Diallo getting his first goal this season, yeah, exactly. assist from from Opanget. Um, you know, which brings me to another player which we were talking about last week and who was quite impressive again. Uh, let's talk about the Montpellier Rennes match. Rennes won one zero down south in Montpellier, and uh, you know, Rich, tell us about Kamavinga again. He's doing quite well, isn't he? Uh, he is. And and I, I have to sort of come with a with a caveat now. Every time I say his name, I have to say Camavinga. He is only sixteen. <laughs> now I, I can only say that for a couple more months because he turns seventeen in in no, early November. But it's just remarkable. You know, he yeah. I I thought him both with him and, and goalkeeper Roman Salam were the were the standout players in what was not a particularly great match from a slightly more Ren perspective. You'd be amazed as a Montpellier fan how you didn't come away with with at least a point in that game because you know they had what what looked like a pretty reasonable goal ruled out for a supposed block on Salah they they missed a penalty which Salah saved they they hit the woodwork late on Keegan Dolly with a, a fantastic strike which actually Salah just got fingertips too I mean, Montpellier, without doubt, deserved the point in there. But but Camavinga, you know, I mentioned him on the on on the podcast last week. I've mentioned him towards the end of last season. He's one of those players that has come through the Ren ranks that will move on, will move on for big money, and will move to a big big team because at 16 to look that composed, that confident in midfield and in the position he plays, which is a, you know, it's it's a key position. You know, sort of slightly defensively minded, but uh, the ability to take that ball forward, it, he's it's just amazing how at home he looks. You know, he was he was tracking back, he was tackling players, he was distributing well, he was running with the ball. There was great movement, great energy. Yeah, there were a, you know a couple of missed passes here and there. Maybe he got a little overconfident at times, but at sixteen, with with not that many appearances under your belt to show that level mm-hmm. of maturity. You know, as I said it last week, to keep an eye on him, the match on 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 uh, on Saturday only emphasised that even more that Camavinga is definitely one of you know certainly Ren's young player to watch and probably one of if not the young talent to watch in the league this season. Um, just one more quick question on, on Ren. Were you surprised to see them keeping the five three two? Because I thought that was just you know to play against PSG. But they did it again against Montpellier, who also played with five at the back. You know, I, I thought it was kind of surprising, but surprising to a, surprising to a degree. I mean, it, it allowed a little bit of flexibility. Um, you know, Julian Stefan has been very vocal that they need to bring more players in. Mm. Um, you know, they they've lost Ismail Assar. They're on the verge of losing uh, Rami Ben Sabaini. Uh, you know, they're big players. Obviously, they lost Benjamin Andre, but in Camavinga, you know, you're left thinking, you know. Doesn't matter about on track. Um, they they do need to bring some players, and they really did lack some some attacking threat. And whilst Ismail Assar didn't necessarily bring the end product every time, he at least added a bit of you know a bit of energy, 
bit of pace and a bit of a threat going forward. And Bayern Young, I don't know what has happened since. <laughs> I think he's still celebrating the Coupe de France win because he was <laughs> dreadful at the African Cup of Nations. He was dreadful uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, Adrian Unu, who is a player pretty underrated that just seems to play and just seems to nick a goal every time he plays. He's out injured for 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 up to a month. Um, they, they 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 just look like they're lacking, and it was, this was signified in the in their in their preseason as well. Is that there was just not much in terms of a goal threat. So five three two, yes, that's how they played in most part. It did allow a bit of flexibility, obviously with with a back three of the Silva, Jelan and and Morel. Jelan can push forward and move into midfield slightly. It does leave the Silva and Morel exposed because they're very slow. You know, great experience. Yeah. But they're not. They're not the quickest. Amari Traore at right back is uh, a little hot-headed, shall we say, in terms of bombing <laughs> forward, but forgetting he actually has to track back. Um, so there's. I think there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. And, and Julian Stefan is a is a coach who I I sense has a degree of frustration that there's they're on the they're on the verge of becoming something really good. But they just need to make those signings. You know, they've got the yeah, money. Just they to... just need to break those signings to to tip them over the edge. And you know, last season's Europa League run and last season's Coupe de France win don't need to be celebrated as much because they don't they don't feel as as much of a one off. So, you know, big 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 uh, couple of weeks I think for Ren. As you mentioned, um, Montpellier unlucky not to get a goal really with all the chances they had. Uh, their problem at the moment though seems to be. On the other end, in their own goal, they haven't found a replacement for Lecomte yet. Um, there was rumours last week that they would be signing Robin Olsen from Roma, which would probably have been quite a good signing. But now um, the latest is that they are on Geronimo Rulli. And anybody who's played football manager uh, might be familiar with him. I couldn't tell you how good he is in real life, however. Um, let's move on to Angers Bordeaux. Um, Mo, we talked about Jeff in Adelaide again uh, as well last week. He had a fantastic game, and so did Pereira Lage with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I thought they looked really, really good um, at the weekend, um, considering the fact that Mordo also took the lead. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, what can you say? Uh, the 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 Mulan, the way that he set up his team, the the key players that you mentioned looked looked really really cool, um, and the fact that they really rallied back after going behind. Um, I thought De Preville, um the, the fact that when he uh, when he struck after the first couple of minutes, that Angers would um, would struggle, um, mm. but it was it was a quick. It was a quick uh, rebound uh, to score three goals, and I think it was at 30 minutes or something like that, and we're already convenient up. I was more actually interested in Bordeaux slide because I'm really worried about how um, how they'll look this season. Um, I think that I had them down somewhere in sort of the um, mid-table. No, no better than mid-table. Mm. Um, I don't know if you you'd agree, but I just um, I just found them really one-dimensional. Um, sort of lacking in in quality, uh, lacking in quality across all departments. And I don't think the addition of Laurent Koscielny would, would will help either. Um, and I don't think Paulo Souza is a competent coach. 
Um, so for all this promise of investment and 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 whatever, I just don't see it happening. And uh, you know, to this was a game that they really needed to signal intentions. And Anshay looked very very comfortable. Uh, that you know they 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 um, were were not pressured heavily at all. Um, I mean, it could have gone either way. I mean, Bordeaux had, had the chance straight after um, one nil to make it to. Um, but they, they didn't take it and, and they really struggled to put piece things together on afterwards. Uh, so I, I'm, I have a lot of concerns for them for the season. Yeah, it is, it is quite concerning for Bordeaux, who's, you know, if, if you had to use one word to describe them in the past few years, it would, I think everybody would agree it was, it'd be boring. Um, they set up, Pau Sousa set up quite an offensive team, even though Kamano wasn't playing. And still, you know, it's kind of biteless. Melkoshelny, as you mentioned, and we'll see if that can change anything. Um, we saw Stefan Moulin as well, the, the Angers coach, kind of praising their crowd. And I think it is true that there was a lot of excitement there in Angers, which is not necessarily a big football city in France. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm this year. And I, I, I continue to think they could have a, quite an exciting season, um, you know, by their standards at least. Uh, However, it seems that, you know, Jeff and Adelaide could be leaving to Monaco. Um, they seem pretty close to a deal on that, so he doesn't have that's, many... That's the, that's the big one for Angers. Yeah. If they, if they lose him, um, they're going to have to, again, rely on bringing... I mean, they seem to do every season. They seem to, to lose their big player, but seem to unearth a, a, a player to replace him. So they're going to have to... Um, they're going to have to do that again if, if Rainer Adelaide goes. They might enjoy him for maybe one or two matches and and, and then we'll see what they have to do. Um, Rich, Saint-Étienne got their first win of the season too. You know, they kind of struggled physically. They were threatened by Dijon. Looks, It's, it's good news for Gislain Printemps to start, right? Yeah, I mean, they came, they came flying out of the blocks. I mean, mm. they were... They were 2-0 up in around 10 minutes, I think. Um, you know, it was a, a good goal from, from Roman Hamouma. If he can stay fit, um, that's been the problem for him over the last couple of seasons. But if he can stay fit, um, you know, he will make a difference for, for Saint-Étienne this season. Um, and then the two newbies really combined for, for the second goal with, with Halou, Halou, um mm-hmm. being assisted by Riyad Boudaboos, which is good to see him back in, back in France. But they then seemed to sort of just just let it ride a little bit. Um, Dijon pulled a goal back uh, just before the break, and it meant it was it was a slightly nervy second half in a game that it probably didn't need to be for Saint Etienne. I think if you look at from a Dijon perspective, you know if they have any hope, I think to stay up this season, and and um, I don't think many of us perhaps expect them arguably two then there's two things that are going to have to be key for them one they're going to have to get that fantastic home form they had a couple of seasons ago back and two they're going to need Julio Tavares scoring again you know Mm. he those those two combinations worked fantastically for them two seasons ago last season their home form disappeared Tavares seemed to completely forget where the net was and it's no wonder they ended up where they were only just avoiding the drop by that that relegation playoff. Yeah. Um, now this season, you know, Tavares is off the mark. Great. They made life a little bit tough for Saint-Étienne. There are, you know, Saint-Étienne are a good team to, 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 to visit Dijon, you know, so it's, you know, a two, one loss to Saint-Étienne is not a disgraceful result for them, 
But what they're going to have to do is take from that and really build that home form. You know, goals aren't necessarily the forte of this side. You know, they lost Wesley Said um, in the summer. It's extra pressure on Tavares. He can score. He did two seasons ago. He was a really quality forward for them. But getting him back scoring, getting home form back, are an absolute necessity for Dijon if they're to start. This season. Dijon lost also their, their Tunisian number 10, um, Naim Sliti. He left mm-hmm. over the weekend to go to Saudi Arabia. So I was ashamed to see kind of players of his skill leaving Ligue 1 because he was, he was a fun one to watch. Yeah, that's, that's a big loss for them because he, yeah. he, brought, he brought creativity. He brought, you know, creating those, those goal-scoring opportunities, which, you know, for, for this Dijon side are, are pretty few and far between. Um, so we have two more matches to go, and let's talk about Brest and Toulouse. Uh, Mo, I'm going to turn to you because, uh, as our Marseille expert, I'm going to also name you our, our Greek striker expert. <laughs> and Toulouse's new Greek striker, Kouloris, scored on his debut. Apart from that, <laughs> was there anything of interest <laughs> in this match? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the short answer of it. Um... Toulouse were were actually pretty dross, um, and that's sort of not to be expected. Uh, I was sorry, it is to be expected rather. <laughs> um, I, it's it, it was a match that basically signified that it looks to me that it would be another really disappointing season for them. I mean, the fact yeah. that Kouloris <laughs> came up with the goods uh, late on um, has you know does breed some confidence uh, in the games going ahead but they were really poor and they have trouble in sort of creating chances and pulling down opponents um they tried uh, with with Leia Seca coming on to you know to to fill the box uh, with with attackers but with Coloris Tosevi Gradel um up front um it eventually broke through but you have to remember they were playing against the Nudicrite side yeah. who were Second in 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 league two last season, um, and you know the fact that they they struggled. It, it, you know, I think um, Brest actually were relatively okay. I didn't actually uh, see sort of wide swathes of the game, but it looked like they created the opportunities and and um, you know were looking towards you know putting points and points on the board before Coloris, um rather dramatic um, late intervention. Um, but if it's, you know, as far as you mean to go on, and they started relatively poorly and with tougher tests to come. I mean, this, like we mentioned last season, this season needs to be the, you know, to lose out of critical juncture this season, they need to be, um, be serious with themselves, whether they're going to go ahead, you know, past, sort of above 15th position uh, where they've been stuck in purgatory for the last three seasons or will this be the season where it's too little too late yeah. um, and I'm not really enthused by the playing squad that they have, I don't know if, if, if investment's going to come, I think players like Matalene Gradel and uh, 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 Dosevi are, you know, relatively past it, Silla is, is struggling, I mean they've got Baptiste René who I've always liked um, but I don't think even even that will help they just need to really rally um, and we'll just see how it goes the next game will be at home um, and they really need to improve their home form as well, um, so 
fingers crossed for them. One one was the final score of that I think match. I, I, I think Bristol Bristol will be kicking themselves because as as Mo said, they created the opportunities, they missed a penalty. Um, you know, a, a home game against Toulouse would have possibly been one that they'd marked down as a we'll target that to win and you know, it's it's a cliche, I know, but you, you do have to take your chances. And as we saw, I think, um, with with uh, Umut Bozok, you know, a player that scored an absolute hatful in Ligue 2, but then just couldn't quite make that step up in Ligue 1. It's mm. important that Gaetan Charbonne, who's obviously got more experience, has been in Ligue 1 before, but hasn't mm. necessarily performed in Ligue 1 before. He obviously was top scorer last season. Um he he was the player that missed that penalty, and I think it's ever so important that you, you know, if you're a promoted side, you, your your chief primary goal scorer gets off the mark really early. So I think it would have been such a a big boost in in you know a number of senses if if Charbonnier had took that penalty away and Brest had got that win. So I think it's important that they 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 show a positive reaction in their next game. Here's a little quiz question: Can you remember who was the last player? to finish top score in Ligue 2 and score 10 goals or more in Ligue 1 the following season. Um, that is... Yep. Well done. Giroud. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, so I could think of having such a good record. Exactly. In both divisions. Um, was it for the uh, last time, if I'm correct? Uh, was it with was it for, for Montpellier as well? Uh, he wasn't with Montpellier in Ligue, in Ligue 2, was he? Yeah. No. I, he must have been transferred. I think he was transferred yeah. from, from Ligue 2 to Ligue 1. Yeah. Yeah. Um, final match, Rich. Um, nice, the strikerless team, turning to their defenders to help them beat Amiens 2-1. Yeah, I mean, this this was Patrick Vieira's side in an absolute nutshell. <laughs> um, you know, it needed both their centre-backs to, to score the goals. There was pretty much zero... Um, attacking threat elsewhere. Um, they were playing against ten men for the best part of an hour. Um, you know they, they should have wrapped the game up far earlier than they did. They conceded an equaliser in the 80th minute, and they needed to rely on a centre back Dante to to pop up in the 96th minute to get the winner. I mean, if if, if ever there's an advert for you know, if Jim Ratcliffe is coming in to, to make this purchase of, of, of Nice and when that finally goes through, that Vieira needs those funds to bring in some kind of um, of, of threat going forward. You know, this this was the game. You know, I, I've said in the in the preview podcast that I fear that, that Amiens could be a team for the drop this season. You know, they were there for the taking. You know, a not particularly great Amiens with 10 men for that long. Um, and Nice really, really struggled to finish that game, and in the end, such a late goal. They they really do need something. They can't re- keep relying on Vieira setting his team up for a you know a a a one you know one goal victory week in week out because that you know that that's not going to last forever. You know it's it's a very very um, you know it's it's a it's a it's a tipping point, isn't it? Of it's not going to take a lot for those one nils to turn to nil nils or losses and and drop points. So they they really desperately need to bring in some some strikers and forwards. And that's all for the Liga action this weekend. Uh, in Ligue 2, it's a four way tie at the top, five way tie at the top. Sorry, um, 
Rodez and Chambly, both promoted sides, are up there with seven points. Very exciting for each of them. Uh, I think it's the first time both of them are, are in Ligue 2. Um, relegated sides, Caen and Guingamp also got their first wins of the season, so they are kicking on. And in the uh, Nancy-Lorient match, which finished 1-1, there was a goal by Alexis Claude-Maurice. Gents, are we surprised that Claude-Maurice is still in Ligue 2 after all the rumours, all the discussions over the summer? Yeah, I am, I am to a certain point. Um, you know, there's still a lot more that he needs to show as a player. I think, um, yeah, he had a he had a good season last season, but I think players, are, uh, sorry, I think pr- prospective buyers are going to be acutely aware that they're going to need to see that perhaps not just be a one. You know, he's young enough that there's time on his side, but they need to need some reassurance. I think that 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 wasn't just a you know a fluke season. So it wouldn't surprise me that if he replicates the form that we saw last season, this season that if he doesn't get that move in the next couple of weeks, that that move does come uh, in January. Ligue 2 teams begin their Coupe de la Ligue uh, knockout matches this week, along with some third division sides. Um, Before we finish up today, I'd like to have some of your hot takes on on some transfer stories. Um, Amiens have been busy in the last few days with the arrivals of Gael Kakuta, the return of Gael Kakuta, should I say, and also Nicolas Isamirin. What do we think of that? Well, I think, yeah, I, I quite like the return of Kakuta. I think it was a shame that they couldn't convert his loan into a permanent move last time he was there because mm-hmm. I was really impressed and he seemed quite settled there. So it's nice to see him back, definitely. Um, Nasser Chadli left Monaco to go to Anderlecht. Mo, how come it didn't work out for Chadley in, in Monaco? Mo? Looks I like had we my m- microphone muted, sorry about that. But no, um, no problem. <laughs> that's okay. Um, um, no, I think that he had, you know, I think he just relatively fell out of favour um, uh, quite quickly. And um, I think it's no real big loss to, to Monaco because, um, you know, people. It, it, it just the, 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 the format didn't work with him uh, no longer. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just really no big loss, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. To to be honest, I forgot that he was still at Monaco. Exactly. <laughs> that, probably tells, te- that probably tells its own story. I mean, he played what like half a dozen games, or more than just about a dozen games last season, uh, and rarely sort of sparkled. And I think that with the with the Brazilians coming. Um, um, you know, Gelson Martins, for example, sorry, Portuguese rather, uh, Gelson Martins and and a lot of other really funky f- final third productive players. Um, there's just no need for for Chadley. One thing we forgot to mention earlier, and I, I've just sort of it's come it's come through my screen is that uh, Ronnie Lopez, yes, will actually be a make weight for for Benyeda for in in the deal that takes him to Seville. So Ronnie Lopez is is out, out of the door. And and off to off to Seville as part of Ben Yedder's deal, which I actually thought, speaking about it earlier, was too good to be true that Ben Yedder would just come for absolutely no reason whatsoever, uh, for, <laughs> you know, on on the on the back of a check. But it seems that Monaco are are letting go of of a player that was really productive for them, and I quite liked in their setup. Um, yeah. But yes. You know that's a costly loss for them. Um, you know, sticking to Monaco, 
Falcao has supposedly agreed terms with Galatasaray, but now Monaco are thinking of maybe keeping him. I mean, it feels like that has been going on forever, hasn't it, as well? Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he, he pretty much kept them up, I think, last season. I think, <laughs> I, I think as silly as it sounds, because Falcao is obviously such a big name, but I do genuinely think his time in France has been a bit underrated. I think as a consistent goal scorer, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. I have had question marks over his sort of leadership role within that team as a senior player at times, but I don't think you can argue with his with his goal scoring record. Um, you know, I, I can only presume that they're they're potentially got some concerns over over Ben Yedder, or maybe concerns over Ben Yedder as playing as a a sort of central, almost lone striker in a in that sort of four three three formation that Monaco play. Maybe there's concerns over that, so they just want to keep Falcao as an option. Maybe it's a change of formation, and they want to play the two up mm-hmm. front. So I, I can only think it's something to do with that. And actually, I, I should mention going just going back to Ronnie Lopez that um, they're looking at Herving Lozano, the Mexican winger, uh, as a possible replacement. He plays for PSV Eindhoven. And PSV Eindhoven are apparently one of uh, two clubs that we know of, along with Lokomotiv Moscow, to have made an offer to Frank Ribery. That would be a quite a surprising move, wouldn't it? See, you know, a player of his stature going to the Dutch league. Yeah, well, there's 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 a few. I've, I've, yeah, Fiorentina was one I think I'd seen linked. I mean, he's sort of narrowed down his options himself by saying yeah. he doesn't want to play for any other German team other than Bayern. Doesn't want to play for for any other French team other than Marseille. Um, so it does sort of limit his opportunities slightly. So uh, I I I would expect him, if I'm perfectly honest, I'd, I'd probably see him more drifting towards. Um, towards Italy and a move, move to Fiorentina. I think there's, there's uh, a degree of ambition there that, that maybe he, uh, he could be part of. Um, turning to a question from Twitter, just before we finish, Lucas asks us which French defenders, which under 21 French defenders do you rate the most? Maybe while I just give you a time, a little minute to think about it, I might say that, you know, you know, I think everybody has heard of him by now, but William Saliba is definitely a very interesting one and, and someone to keep a, a, an eye on this season. As we know, he's going to the Premier League next year for certain. Um, but there's certainly other ones too. Do you guys have any players you might recommend to Lucas? Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, go, go on. on. No, you go. Uh, I'm just going to stick with with my um, our own player, Bubakar Kamara. <laughs> I've I've just never um, I, he's yet to have like a touch word a, a, a really poor game um, mm. and it's, if 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 OM do look suspect defensively it normally comes from the you know the fullbacks being caught out of position and uh, attack you know really aggressive attack coming in from the sides but he looks calm um, and uh, you know very good on the ball and able to sort of dictate play from the back which I think given the environment that Marseille is in he looks relatively assured and has actually escaped a lot of the criticism that he has been leveled at nearly every other player there were talks of him moving to the premier league for about 20 million euros mm-hmm. in his final year of contract and that's something that's ongoing at the moment um so you know you know watch out might be coming to a league near you um, <laughs> next season yeah rich 
Um, I'll give you some quick names. Two that you'll have heard of, two that you might listeners might not have heard of. So Ibrahima Kanate and and, and mm. up Upamecano, sorry, um, at Leipzig. You know, well known Upamecano was briefly linked with a move to to England in the summer, but both really good play together at, at an international and club level. Fee. Well, you know, it he, is, he seems it to have a very high market value. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's called the Harry Maguire principle. I think <laughs> now that that the, the benchmark has been set. I mean, Upamecano again. There weren't many French players from the under twenty one squad that shone. I thought he he was one that that had a good tournament. There, but they're both very strong. Uh, work well. Work. You know, as I say, they play at club level and international level. So there's those two, and I, I suspect a lot of people have probably heard of them. Two perhaps from the sort of age bracket down that are very much in the emerging talent, but possibly two to look out for. Uh, there's there's Umar Soleil at Lyon. Mm. Um, looks like he could be more involved with the first team this season. Um, a, a very promising-looking centre-back. And then, as 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 Mo did with, with, with Kamar, I'll, I'll pinch one from Ren. And there's Sasha Bowie, who's a, a, a young right-back. Um, he's he's been involved in the first team now throughout the preseason and, uh, and and got an appearance as well against Montpellier at the weekend. Um, I think for those that perhaps want to see a glimpse of what he can offer, have, go back and watch the Trophy de Champion match because he was up against uh, Mbappe and seemed to cope reasonably well. Certainly better than a lot of more experienced fullbacks have done against Mbappe, and he also demonstrated an attacking threat and a bit of skill on the ball. So. Soleil and, and Bowie, both very, very young, um, very, very much in the emerging category, but two to possibly keep an eye on. And I think I'll mention as well, someone who, you know, Premier League fans will certainly know him, but I think he gets very little attention in France, and a lot of people probably have never heard of him. It's Jan Valery from, from Southampton, who's, you know, who's now a starter in the Premier League, I believe, and is pretty much unknown in France and he might very well be kind of a successor to the your your Lucas Hernandez or your Benjamin Pavard who got their careers launched out abroad and before people knew them in France and you know kind of made their name playing with the national team rather than a club an exciting prospect um that's all for tonight so make sure you follow us on Twitter at get French football uh, at GFFN and also check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. We have plenty of stuff all the time. The latest I, we would recommend to you is our 63-page guide to Ligue 1 for this season, concocted by the editing team. You don't want to miss that. Uh, you should stick around as well, of course, for the Thursday preview pod hosted by Lewis McParlane. And we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening.